Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of the OmniTalk Fast Five. It is October 18th, 2019. Oh my God, it's October 18th already. We are more than halfway through the month of October. How's the month been going for you guys? Uh, great. Now that you're back from your European vacation, I'm oh. really excited that that I the the whole clan's back together. Uh, me too. Me too. I'm excited too. Although today Carter is Carter is not with us today. True. So Carter's yes. absent. Um, but it is good to be back here together, trying to hold back the cough from the lingering cold that continues to plague me. But uh, Carter's not here, so it's it's Anne and I in studio. But we also have an interesting new guest on the podcast, mm-hmm. and that is Emma, the intern. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome, Emma. We're excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. And Emma, you hail from where? Where do you go to school? The University of Minnesota. That's right. The University of Minnesota. That's right. Go, go Gophers. Gophers? Gophers? Is that what it is? Uh, Gophers. But Gophers? if okay. you went there, like Emma does, and I did, you say Go Gophers. Oh, that's right. You both Sky went to the University of I have no idea what you just said. But of you course. both went to the University of Minnesota. <laughs> Isn't it Gophers, too? Like that, don't you have to, for those that aren't no. from Minnesota? No, you don't actually have to say it that way. Okay. Do golfers buy each other Cokes too? I think we should get started with the Fast Five. Really? Okay. All right. I guess so. I think that makes sense. But before we do, as always, I do have to tell you about my trip to Barcelona too. So Barcelona was amazing. If you've never been there, coolest place, one of the coolest places on earth. The weather is unbelievable. But also at the same time, incredible political, political unrest. unrest. I was barred up in my hotel room on Tuesday night. Wasn't sure I was going to get to the airport, but I did. Made the podcast, and I'm excited to be here with Anne and Emma, the intern. I'm I'm sorry we didn't ask you about your trip more explicitly. I feel like that was you sharing because we did not ask enough questions of you. So I'm glad you had a good trip. Yes, you know, as my right hand, you know, co-host and partner. <laughs> In all of our podcasting efforts, yes, I think you should feel very bad I about do. that. I do. <laughs> all right. So enough of that for the audience. Let's get right to it. But first, a word from our sponsor. Our sponsor is, of course, Trigo. Trigo provides checkout-free technology that sets your customers free. Trigo's network of ceiling-mounted cameras sees what no other systems see. It creates a 3D image of retailer shop floors, environments, and maps the movement of every object as consumers shop. Its proprietary algorithms and neural networks enable a frictionless shopping experience where consumers can enter the store, pick, and leave. All right. Now, this first topic I am super thrilled about, and and because I'm holding back a cough, you may have to introduce it, but I'm going to give it a shot. Amazon has introduced a new weapon to crush the competition, and that's $1 items or less delivered for free by tomorrow. Yes, that's right. You heard it. According to... According to Vox.com, over the last few months, Amazon has removed several barriers that previously made it difficult for customers to purchase a single sub $5 item on its own. The result is a flood of low-priced items, say, for example, a $2 roll of dental floss or a $0.75 makeup brush, now made available to crime, to crime, to prime, (laughs) also said, to prime customers with free one-day shipping. Until recently, shoppers had to hit a minimum $25 before their order qualified for prime fast shipping. This is pretty cool. What do you think here, Anne? <laughs> well, I think that the most um, – one of the biggest questions that I had right away is this is targeting mainly – they keep talking about this deodorant and like a an eye makeup brush um, that are $0.75 cents or $1.99, but – it's supposed to be 
making it possible so that uh, people who were going to like a Target or CVS or Walgreens for these items who need them right away and and weren't going to pay $25 shipping to get them next day, you know, now they're able to get this through their Prime membership. But I have a question for you guys. If you need deodorant, you've run out of deodorant or tampons in this case. Are you waiting a day to get that stuff? So okay, well, let's go to we'll go. I mean, we'll go to Emma the intern next on this. But I I I I think this is brilliant because your deodorant question. There's there's a the, the way the deodorant replenishment works at least in the Walton household. <laughs> oh my God, we're gonna be, this is gonna be too much information. This for be, sure, We've this can be verified by Mrs. OmniTalk. Is that the role you can see when it's about done? So you've got about a day, and so if you're really gonna press the envelope here, yeah, you, you a day works. For if, if deodorant. Yes. Yeah, so if you're confident that Amazon's going to get it to you on that timeline, it works. It works okay. for me. Yeah, it works. Okay. Emma, the intern, what's your take? I would say kind of the same thing because I feel like I put deodorant on in the morning, so I'm going to run out in the morning. And if I can just, after I run out, order it from Amazon and it's good to go the next day, I think tampons are a little bit different. But like deodorant, See? toothbrush, why <laughs> leave my house when I can just have it delivered? I think that's... Yeah, I think that's that's true in most cases. You can try to be planful about this, but I, I don't. I mean, the way that people are writing about this is like this is going to decimate the Target and CVS and Walgreens business for these types of items. Like, no way, it's not well, going to decimate. Well, I just it. Well, it might, it, well, death by a thousand cuts too, you know, or whatever sure. you want to use there. But like, you're not having to order it right then and there, like the use case you just described. Like, it could be like, oh, I'm I got about a week of my deodorant left, and sure. instead of making a trip, I'm going to just order one roll instead of doing like a subscribe and save option, right? And so, yeah, instead of making a trip, I'm going to just go out and do that, yeah, you know, and I can do that. Whereas before, you had to hit a minimum and that type of thing, so it's yeah. different. It goes back to what we were talking about a while ago when we were doing. Do you remember that video we did on Amazon Prime Pantry and what a joke that was, and like how yeah, this is order? why it was a joke, right? Yeah. So I think. So along those lines, like this makes complete sense. You shouldn't have to fill a box full of, you know, $25 items to get a few things. I just think like the whole hard hitting play on like items under $1, like, I don't know. I'm curious how many people are going to actually be ordering $1 items at uh, one time. I think it's more than you think. Like, I think it's more than you think. And I think it's, I think there's two interesting things about this too. that I think it's also interesting for grocery. Like how many grocery items are sub five dollars? And right. like, oh, I just want that now. Yeah. Or I ran out of that. Bring that to me. So I'm curious how this plays into that strategy, especially yeah. with the whole Amazon Whole Foods hybrid store that hasn't yet been announced and is coming. Now they're doing one day shipping on these things. You've already got the two hour delivery through Whole Foods with Prime. Like this is this is huge stuff potentially in in that realm of things too. The other thing I like about it is it gives Amazon another thing to talk about. And Vox touched on this too. But it gives Amazon another thing to talk about in terms of, hey, we're doing things to continue to lower prices for the comp- for the consumer. Look at all the other retailers out there who aren't doing that. And mm-hmm. so this makes them look, you know, again, less monopolistic than they have in the past. Ooh, I would like strongly disagree with that. I feel like they, this is so monopolistic. How is it monopolistic? You're giving consumers better prices, at least yeah. in terms of how our laws are written. For now. 
for, for now, right? As their power grows. Yeah. Then what happens when they're the only retailer, healthcare provider, government agency that exists? And all we, it's a sci fi movie waiting to be made. Yeah. Speaking of that, I read this really cool article on Jeff Be- Bezos, too, and just the AWS play into government contracts. Yeah. Also, really interesting. We'll send it out to our subscribers, too, but one worth checking out. Yes. Uh, but anyway, without further ado, you want to do story number two? Yes. Story number two. So, Madewell has announced that they're going to team up with ThreadUp to sell secondhand jeans. And for our listeners, I know we've been talking about the secondhand market quite a bit in the last few weeks of the Fast Five, but I, I think it's important to pay attention to the trend that's happening and all of the different variations that companies are coming up with in order to uh, make this trend relevant for their stores. We've seen thread up stores going into the likes of Macy's and, and um, JCPenney and other places. But what Madewell is doing with this partnership is they are uh, bringing their their product, Madewell Jeans, into their stores. Um, they're doing this uh, pilot in select stores in Austin, Chicago, Nashville, New York City, and uh, soon in California. But they're going to sell these these secondhand jeans for $50 a pair. So uh, Madewell essentially is going to be shopping ThreadUp for their some of their favorite past styles. And then um, they're going to be bringing these into the store. And the, the traditional Madewell jeans are $100 a pair. So it's giving shoppers an option in the store to be able to buy a secondhand pair um, while they're there shopping for their, their Madewell favorites already. So um, I love this. Do you really? Why? I think it's... I think it's a it's a different approach to it's not just throwing a thread up like 10 by 10 foot square in their store. Um, I think you're targeting people who I mean, think about think about your your favorite pair of jeans. I don't know about you guys, but I definitely have like a favorite style of jean and they don't make that style of jean anymore. Um, They don't even have the same color variation of the jean anymore. And if if Madewell is sourcing even secondhand pair, if I found a secondhand pair of my favorite jeans at a consignment store, I would snatch them up in a minute. So I think that if you're a Madewell customer, you're you're kind of conditioned to shop for Madewell. You like how they fit you. Then this is an opportunity to maybe get a, get more Madewell apparel for a considerably less amount of money. Really? Okay. Before I comment, I got to go to Emma, the intern on this one. Emma, what's your take on this? I think this is just a marketing stint. Because I looked at ThreadUp yesterday after I put this article together, and you can buy Madewell jeans for less than $30 on ThreadUp. There's hundreds and hundreds of pairs of them. And I forgot to put into the brief, but Madewell kind of announced it as a new sustainability initiative for them. But if you really think about it, they're talking about bringing these jeans back, and they're going to wash them and refurbish them. And that's incredibly water and labor intensive. I don't see any kind of sustainability in that they have to transport them from thread up to the Madewell factory to the Madewell store. Mm-hmm. And they're just profiting off of saying that they have a secondhand item because a Madewell customer might be like, oh, this is so great. It's sustainable. But they really made it less sustainable and more expensive. All good points. All good points. There's a lot of marketing sizzle in a lot of the headlines there, that make the news every week. Yeah. I think Emma just hit it. And for those of you listening, too, Emma, the intern, is now running our top talk. So the infamous Neil Thomas, uh, who is – he's actually – his last day with us is uh, this Friday because he's actually going on to some bigger and better things, which we are excited about. Uh, and uh, he's been running the top talk for us over the last uh, – God, what is it now, And three or four months? And mm-hmm. Emma's now taking that over, so we're excited about that. Um but yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I, the question I have for you, Anne, is would you really do that? So like there's jeans that you used to wear that you would still buy if you want and you saw them in a Madewell store? 
if Madewell was my brand, like here, let me let me give you okay. this scenario. Okay. Hudson jeans. They are my favorite pair. There is one style of jean that they make and I love them. They don't make the wash anymore that I love. And I've had the same pair of jeans replaced at least three or four times, like repaired three or four times. So yes, if Madewell was my brand and I really liked the specific cut of that jean and this was an opportunity where, I mean, even, I don't know. I think that there's more, it's not about the sustainability thing. I think it's about the, the like you think you look at uh, a lot of other boutiques that who curate clothes that you like they're doing some consignment items on occasion in the same space as their new products so if i trust the brand and i trust their styling and their their product then i feel like this could make sense but clearly i'm not in the majority here well yeah i don't know it does feel like two against one but not intentionally i think i don't know what to make of this honestly like it just one, it kind of cheapens your brand. It's like, okay, now you can just get Madewell stuff for cheaper. But it's not like, I think. In my store. I like, think I get mindset, it if you're like searching for it on ThreadUp or whatever. But like, okay. And then are you really going to do that too? Like, by the way, it's fashion. Like, you're going to go buy something that in jeans that really aren't that in fashion anymore. Yes, you may have one pair and it's probably your comfy pair. Yeah. But it's probably not the stuff you're wearing all the time. I mean, yes, it is the same pair of jeans no, that I'm wearing all the time. Right, right. I'm talking to the wrong use case. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I. but I feel like, I don't know. I have that same pair of jeans from Lucky. Like, if they brought them back, I would go, probably go buy two of them. Yeah. Um, I, I well, who it's. I think it remains to be seen. Let's see what the jeans look like in store and what one of these executions actually look like. Yeah. It could be a total flaming, like, project i mean here's the thing it's not going to save the world no like at the end of the day because you still have to go in and see it it's not going to make a huge difference it's not going to move the needle for the brand it's i think you're right at the end of the day emma's right it seems very sizzly on the pr this thing's coming in hot so clearly we've spent too much time already probably yeah sorry let's go on to story number three emma (laughs) hands on a roll all right emma story number three uniqlo is launching a customer sampling program Uniqlo is doing its best to keep its customers warm this winter. On Friday, the retailer will launch a new member sampling program where people who download its app will be gifted a piece of Heatech, the brand's winter base layer. Heatech products are made from bio-warming material, providing warmth without bulk. It uses technology to convert body moisture into heat, keeping you comfortable all winter long. For the next three weeks, starting tomorrow, shoppers with the Uniqlo app will have three chances to participate in the giveaway. The first round, which is the first 30,000 app users will allow participants to use their special code online while the second two weeks which are the next 40,000 then 30,000 users will provide a code that can only be used in store what do you think Emma this is confusing to me (laughs) oh here we go this is going to be a good one already because this is the only one I talked about in advance I can't wait to hear why do you think it's confusing because usually if you're going to be doing this big giveaway like this it would I don't understand why they're just giving away 100,000 regular heat tech products. That just sounds like they have way too much heat tech inventory. Normally, if you're going to do a giveaway, you're going to do some kind of like drop sort of giveaway. You do like a limited edition heat tech product or an exclusive heat tech product. And so and also the like rules and guidelines of this whole thing are kind of sketchy. Oh, why is that? Because they don't really mention if you have to purchase something in order for this to kind of go through. Nowhere is it said. And then, of course, they put in a very tiny print that the item has to be below nineteen ninety in price, mm-hmm. which doesn't, or it does count shirts and leggings. But I just think it's just a regular old heat tech product. Like, 
they don't need to advertise heat tech stuff. It's been around. People know what it is. What about the app angle? Do you think any, there's anything cool with that? Like, hey, you've got to do something to get it, and the, the do something is you have to download the app? I mean, I guess that gets a bunch of people to download the app if they already haven't. But, I mean, congratulations, you have more app users now. <laughs> All right, awesome. I like that. Emma and I did download I like the app yesterday when we were prepping these stories. Yeah. Did you, did you get free heat tech product? I won't find tomorrow. out. Oh, it hasn't we started yet, right. Find, yeah. like, uh, but I did check my phone again today. So I guess it, <laughs> it's working. The marketing's working for people like me who don't particularly shop Uniqlo uh, online ever. Uh, I go to stores when I'm in the cities where they have them. Oh, so but... even if you don't, uh, make sure I heard this right. So even if you download the app, you don't necessarily get the giveaway. No, it's only the 30,000 30, people. And you don't know if you're one of those yet. You don't. You find out tomorrow. And then in the next two huh. weeks, they're going to do 30,000, another 30,000 products and then another 40,000 products. But those you have to go online or in store to redeem. The first 30,000 people can get them online, but the other ones have to actually go in store, which, I mean, it's not a new marketing tactic by any means. It's giving people product and putting your product in the hands of people who, like me, might otherwise right. not have gone on and even looked at Uniqlo product. And now I spent 15 minutes looking at warm, heat heat protectant gear and like coats for my kids. So who knows? It may work, but it's this week is all about marketing ploys, I yeah, have to say. See, on first blush, I think this is more sizzle again, too, now that we've talked about it. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, at first I was like, okay, it's kind of cool. It's different. You're getting people to download your app which is a really hard problem for retailers, especially specialty apparel retailers. Like what's really the compelling value proposition for you to download their app and engage with them on that one-to-one basis? So it's a cool way to get over that. Uh, It's a marketing tactic, right? But I think as you guys were talking, like what's interesting to me though is the way this is designed, one, it does sound tricky, but two, like you may not actually get this. And so then if you do it again and you don't get it again, well, yeah, you might've been interested and to like see what these products are, but if you don't get it, you're probably actually gonna be pissed and you're not gonna go back. Like, why would you keep coming back if you're not getting anything for your effort? Yeah, you won't. But who knows how many times they're going to... You have to have notifications on. So that means that in this two-week period, they have active, engaged app participants. Yeah, I mean, I guess you'd see the value in it. It's 100% measurable. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if it... You know how we'll know it works? They'll do it again. That's right. They'll do it again. Otherwise, we'll know it's it's sizzle. But hey, there's probably four or five retailers that have already copycatted this because they just read the headlines and see what's sizzling. (laughs) So we'll find out over time. I feel like we need a sizzle working. like sound effect that needs to be placed after each of Oh my God, podcasts. wait till number five because that's the biggest sizzle know, of all time. I know, I know. All right, number four. Okay, number four. Levi's <laughs> is set to open 100 more stores as their wholesale uh, sales have declined substantially, especially over the last year. So Levi Strauss and company announced on Tuesday that um, their their third quarter sales rose 4%, um, but since going public last year, uh, global direct-to-consumer sales rose 10%. Um, that's some of the, the background for this. And then uh, in the Americas, the revenues fell 3% because of this decline in wholesale, um, which they believe is offset partly by the direct-to-consumer growth. So... Um, in the last eight years, Levi's wholesale has decreased. It used to be 50% of the company's global sales, and now it's only 30%. So Levi's is saying, we're cutting the wholesale back. We're going to open 100 new company-owned stores so that we can partner with more premium retailers. Um, I'm guessing like the likes of a Nordstrom or something like that. Um, and then pulling back from those off-price retailers to maintain this brand.
brand image that they have. Um, and I'm really curious what Emma, the intern, thinks about this because she works at a Levi's. I do. All right. So. Boom. <laughs> Let's hear it. In terms of a long-term business plan, I think this is incredibly smart and strategic. Like, kudos to you, Chip Berg. But, or I guess... The company has been shifting more towards this premium line of products and upping the prices and the quality and the branding. But I think there's this just really severe disconnect between the pricing and the product quality and what the consumer knows. Because people don't even know that there's multiple lines of Levi's at different price points that offer you different quality and different durability in your products. And... They don't specify whether they're opening 100 more premium mainline stores, 100 more outlets. Mm. And they talk about the Target um, partnership, but that's still the outlet gene that they're partnering Mm -hmm. with. So it's kind of confusing, but they really just need to overhaul their marketing plan and let people know that they're shifting more towards the premium mainline product. And people are going to pay more, but they're going to get more out of what they're buying. Mm Emma and I were talking about this yesterday. So, Emma, the price of a premium pair of, of Levi's denim is like $100, $100 or less than $100, right? It's usually like $89.50 for men and 98 for women. Okay. So, uh, to me, like this makes a ton of sense, especially if they're talking about getting into a Nordstrom or something of that caliber. Because they're coming in at a mid-price point for a pretty high-quality product um, of denim. And like in a, in a traditional Nordstrom, you have their own brands, which... A pair of denim will run you, you know, anywhere from fifty to seventy dollars. But now you have this like in between layer between, you know, the so the Levi's, and then you have your premium denim, which is like two hundred dollars a pair. So to me, I think it opens up an opportunity for them to really go after that middle the road kind of customer at at a an, a place like a Nordstrom or a Saks or wherever they. You mean it's shopping there otherwise. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Just yep. make sure I'm clear on the, yep. what you're saying. Okay. And and then the stores themselves, I think, like Emma was saying, there's a huge opportunity to kind of take this brand and continue to elevate it. We see what they've done with their stores and Market Street in San Francisco and some of the the other customization shops that they have. Like, I think there's a lot of potential here if they do this the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, based on what you guys said, I mean, it, I think Emma, your point's good, and I think it it actually shows that there's only room to go up. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that for me that about Levi's, having worked at The Gap, you know, seen the relationship at Target, too, and then just uh, seen Target sell jeans. Do you guys have, like, street fights in the food court? Like, The Gap versus Levi's? Well, no, back in the day, like, Gap de- de- Gap Denim was the bomb. Like, it was awesome. So I was thinking of, like, all the old Gap jeans from the first story that I would sure. go and buy again. Yeah. There was, there was probably a ton that I would just out of nostalgia. Like, Carpenter jeans. Like, oh, my Do you remember God. those? Yeah, those were the bomb. I am not. We're like disbanding this partnership. If you show up in carpenter jeans, just for the record, you know, I I still have cargo jeans. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, um, but anyway, like the thing for me about Levi's has always been like, yeah, Levi's has a good brand name, but I've never actually, from a marketing and branding perspective, know why why what Levi's represents to me from denim standpoint, Hmm. especially like in the price ranges and things that you're talking about. Yeah. So like it's not very well defined for me in terms of of what that is. And so having their own stores and being the authority on that or being more overt in terms of their own stores or their own direct relationship with me to tell me about how they could be right for me and my style and my fit, I think that actually is a tremendous untapped opportunity in terms of what you're talking about because they've never really had to rely on that before. They've always gone through other channels. And as we we always talk about on this show – that's not the way of the future. Mm-hmm. So I think this makes a ton of sense. And then the second point, I don't know if you guys, if any of you follow us really closely on, on social media too, but we're also doing this thing now called the Walton's Weekly Wow, 
which is powered by Placer AI, where they use a lot of location-based data to do some really great, to really provide some really great insights to the market every week. And we just put those out because uh, we think they're cool. And they did one on Levi's and they showed the uptick in kind of the sales performance that Levi's is seeing in their stores over time. And if that trend's true and everything that we're saying falls in line, direct-to-consumer relationship being important, being a way to fuel the growth, then yeah, absolutely. I think this makes a ton of sense and it's going to be really interesting to watch to see how they continue to do this digitally and physically. Yes, uh, that's okay. Let's you still see can't, what happens. You still can't get over the gap, the fact that I have gap Cargo yes, jeans, it's can you? really. I gotta find them. Afternoon. I, I gotta find them and wear them for our our oh video my God, watchers. Please don't. Oh, please I'm going don't. to. All right, number five. This is my all time favorite thing I've read in quite a while, and no surprise, it's also about Walmart. So Walmart, according to their press release, and then picked up by CNBC, will now put groceries right into your fridge, starting in three cities on Tuesday or this past Tuesday. That's right. Walmart will deliver groceries to your fridge to the cities of Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Vero Beach, Florida. The company hopes to expand it nationwide. Of course they do, but wouldn't say when or which cities it's eyeing as potential test markets if the launch is a success. Now, here's the really, really cool and interesting part. And I almost almost fell out of my chair when I read it. But the program, the in-home grocery delivery program, as they call it, is a membership program. It's being rolled out at the introductory price of $19.95 a month. It also requires shoppers to purchase a $49.95 smart door lock kit or smart door garage kit, which comes with free installation and one month of free unlimited grocery delivery. So essentially, you're paying a monthly fee of $20 a month, and you, I'm guessing, have to be at your house to have somebody install this in your house, which I'm sure is most likely akin to having a cable installed in your house. So that's an awesome experience. You get a window. Yep. And so then, you know, like that makes it really hard for me to do this. So I'm curious before I go off on my diatribe about all the things that are wrong with this story and the press release and the whole design of the entire concept, what is your guys' take? Well, in contrast, Walmart does allow you to do just regular old grocery delivery for $98 a year, unlimited grocery delivery. So there is that to kind of put in perspective here. Right, which is like two-day delivery, right? Y- yes. Yeah. You it's picked fast. Your, you picked your time slot. You they, you get it delivered. You're good to go. Right. Um, some other just factoids about this that I found. So the the lock that they put in it's the same lock you yes you have to go through the installation but the the lock is currently it's a $250 lock which you can use outside of just the Walmart person delivering your groceries so if you are investing in a smart lock and this is something you're already considering then maybe this grocery delivery concept is something you'd want to consider um cuz those are really flying off the shelves too the the, the door smart lock, locks the yeah. smart locks i mean well, Walmart believes that they will. Did you know that uh, they're using so Level Home is the company that's that uh, provides the locks oh, that no, they're I putting didn't know on that. the that's doors. And Walmart was, uh, along with some others, invested. That, uh, Level Home just announced that they raised seventy one million dollars recently uh, wow. because of things like this. So wow. hopefully, uh, these investments will pay off. I don't know. Coming off of the Jet Black stuff from last week, this just feels like a ton of money that Walmart is pouring into something that, man, I don't know. I don't know how you make this work, but 
I mean, such is the case with the rest of the stories. Like, I don't know how Amazon's going to make the $1 deodorant delivery work. Uh, it, it's well, I can get how Amazon's right. going to make that work because it's going to play the long game. But let, let put that into this equation. Amazon's now delivering that those items now next day. Right. Like, and they're going to do all this stuff in grocery. Like, why is the delivery to my fridge the next thing I need to figure out? Like, people can't even people can't even figure out grocery delivery to the door yet. Right. Right. And even the usage rates on that are small. That's still under five percent. So, like, how many? That's one question. How many people are even going to do this? Like, yeah. how big is this population that wants? groceries delivered to their fridge because let's now think of all the friction points you've introduced into my life against the other options which is just standard delivery or instacart or ship going up and picking my orders or putting a a porch safe on my front yard that's easier than this too Mm -hmm. but now you've i've got to sign up for this door lock thing right yeah okay i have to schedule that which sucks i don't want to do that i don't want to do that if if i'm trying to get groceries right and then, oh, now I got to pay 20 bucks a month to have this happen? That, why would I do that? Like, why in God's pragmatic earth would any economist say that that makes sense? Oh, and here's the other thing. Like, how much money are you going to spend on this, Walmart? Why would you roll this out in three cities? These three cities are Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Vero Beach, Florida. There's no scale in any of that. They're far away from each other. Why don't you just see if it freaking works in one before you go try and do it in three all at the same time? I think that's what they were doing with Jet Black, Chris. Right, and that worked well. <laughs> this is right? like the next level down from Jet Black. Right. That's what I mean. It's like there's there's got to be, I don't know. This just seems, I think your point, your first point is is correct in is this the best thing for the Walmart consumer next? Or is this going after a market that Walmart really wants and this is a way to do it? Because this, I mean, I'm not saying that Walmart should completely eliminate the concierge concept as a theme that's going to happen or that we'll see trending in future retail. Like we see this happening, personal assistance and things happening with other markets. But I think to reach Walmart's mass demographic across the country, this is probably not the next initiative that I'd roll out. I think you're right. But I don't know if this is the ever initiative that I would roll out because I didn't even introduce the friction point of like, now you're actually putting somebody else into my home. And also, my fridge has to be ready to accept all this stuff. Like, it's got to be full. It's got to be empty. You get, you get to watch it on your on the body cams <laughs> right. that they're wearing, which, if which I think is hilarious. Can you hourly? like? I don't have time to. That was my favorite point. I wrote about that before. Like, oh yeah, because that's what that's what the average American has time to do: watch deliveries. You know, while they're you know working. Like, no, the only people that have the ability to do that are big executives that can have their assistants play the video for them whenever they want. Like, that's you know, it's just it's it's a fallacy. It's not going to work. This is, again, it's a pipe dream of, this to me is like a pipe dream of rich people. Like, it's just not something that people are going to want. The fact that they're doing this and the way they're doing it doesn't make sense. Like, I read the press release. Seriously, guys out there, read the press release. It's like a stand-up comedy routine. It really is. It's so hilarious. But anyway, okay, rant over. Emma, anything to add on that? Emma, the intern? I, I just don't, I don't want someone in my house delivering groceries. Someone brought up a really good point at our podcast launch. Like, what if the dog runs out? There's so many things that could go oh, so the, wrong. The customers oh, are responsible for main, making sure. I did see that in the oh, Walmart page. They are uh, responsible for restraining all household pets during that two-hour delivery window or time period when the groceries are going to be delivered. But, yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah just big no. Mail, mailmans and dogs are one thing. Now imagine the, you coming into somebody's house. It'll be a... 
There are so many better answers. Like the porch safe on the front yard, Dino Safe, I think is the company's name. Like such a better answer than what this is in so many ways. All right. But anyway, that closes us up. I really hope Walmart will stop with this because I hate ending on this every time I get so riled up. But hey, I've got to cover it because it's what we do. A um, couple of housekeeping notes. <coughs> Excuse me as I try to get through this. Be sure to check out our new podcast that we just released as part of our ongoing OmniTalk Spotlight series. It features Shift CEO, and this is a hard name to say, Brett Patrontash. Uh, but it's a cool discussion. It talks about mobile technology and how it's really changing the way frontline workers can work, how we can assign shifts as retailers, how they can swap shifts, and really, at the end of the day, have more autonomy over their schedules and even drive more engagement for your workforce. It's a really good listen. Highly encourage everyone to check it out. Be sure as well to check out our weekly wows uh, each and every week, sponsored by Placer AI. And of course, as always, please remember to like, review, and to subscribe to our podcast on the podcast platform of your choice, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. Every difference makes a difference. We really appreciate every review that's left. If you have the time right now, click over, go on iTunes, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. So as always, on behalf of Anne and Emma, the intern, be careful out there.